Welcome to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius, and you can find me on Twitter at TinoJunior20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Today is Wednesday, July 5th, a couple hours before the Mariners' uh, third game of the three-game series against the San Francisco Giants in San Francisco. On today's pod, we will talk Two more Mariners inclusions. We'll recap the first two games of the series. We'll talk a little bit about why it is important for sports fans in general, but specifically baseball fans, to have a longer-term view of their team and of their organization and why the Mariners are an example of this. Uh, We'll dig into tonight's pitching matchup, and then if I have a chance, I'll talk a little bit about what I'm doing over the weekend for the All-Star festivities. So the Mariners are now 42-42, and 42, eight games out of first place behind the Texas Rangers, five games back in the wild card race. Mariners are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but winners of four in a row. They took the last two games of that Tampa Bay series over the weekend. They took the first two games in this uh, series against the San Francisco Giants in San Francisco. Mariners currently also have a plus 24 run differential, which is better than both the Toronto Blue Jays and the Los Angeles Angels, uh, which are two teams that are above them. So the all-star inclusions. A couple days ago, uh, Julio Rodriguez was named to replace an injured Jordan Alvarez, and George Kirby was named to the all-star team to replace an injured uh, Shane McClanahan. I think Julio has been ripped on or trashed for uh, not playing up to the level that people had expected uh, leading into this season. But I want to share some numbers with you because I believe Julio has been great. Um, He's certainly been a huge uh, fantasy baseball asset, but I think Julio's right on track as far as his learning curve goes. When you take into account his age and his experience, Don't forget Julio Rodriguez is 22 and a half years old. He was born in the year 2000, late in 2000 in December. This season, Julio's hitting 248 with a 310 on base percentage and a 414 slug, which is good for a 724 OPS. At face value, that's not great. 106 WRC plus. But as you dig into his stats, he's played 82 games this season, which is just is one game over 50%. So it's fair to pretty much double the stats that he's put up thus far or just under double since he may, you know, since he may get injured or have to rest at some point in time in the second half. But he has 13 home runs, which would put him at 26 for the year, two behind last year's pace. He has 50 runs and 47 RBIs. So if he was to double that or get a, a little hotter than he was in the first half, which is a high likelihood, in my opinion, you're looking at a 26 home run, 100 run, 100 RBI, and he already has 20 steals, so 40 steals. It's not out of the realm of possibilities for, for Julio Rodriguez to hit 17 more home runs this season, which would give him 30 home runs, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, and 40 steals a 30-40 guy at age 22, not to mention the fact that he's playing a gold glove center field. So I just, I think that calibrating, you know, what we are seeing from Julio Rodriguez and understanding what we are seeing from Julio Rodriguez 
is extremely important. His walk rate is the same as last season. He's 7.2% versus last season, 7.1. His K rate is the same, 29.25.9% last season versus 25.7. The big difference is that Julio is up a little bit with ground balls, 2.2%, and he's pulling the ball a lot less. He's pulling the, the ball 4% less. So he's driving it to the opposite way, to right field, 4% more. Actually, interestingly, center field is exactly the same. So he's pulling the ball a little less. He's not getting out in front of the ball, which is uh, zapping him of some of his power. But his walk rate is the same as last year. His K rate is the same as last year. He's on pace for 100 runs and 100 RBIs. He's on pace for 40 steals. He's playing a gold glove center field. And he's probably going to hit close to 30 home runs. So... I just I think that understanding what it is that Julio Rodriguez is doing right in front of our eyes is is important and recalibrating what we're seeing, seeing it through a different filter, understanding that the kid is 22 years old. I think that it was a travesty that he was left out of the All-Star game. I don't care who you have to drop for him. You're talking about a megawatt superstar in baseball playing in his home city of Seattle initially not being named to the all-star team. It's ludicrous to me that they would even consider doing that, but they did. Uh, You wonder if they would have done the same thing with a young player for the Yankees or for the Dodgers. That's the conspiracy theorist in me, but I'm glad to see that Julio's on the team. I'm sad to see that Jordan Alvarez won't be there because I think he's pound for pound might be the best hitter in baseball, but Julio needs to be in this all-star game hands down. And then George Kirby, I think there were some, there were a number of pitchers that were in the range of George Kirby's statistics. Um, I'm glad to see that Castillo made it. I think you could make the case for Kirby over Castillo, but George Kirby belongs in this game. He's 25 years old this season. He has a seven and seven record with 3.21 ERA, uh, 101 innings. The magic about George Kirby, as we've talked about, is his control. Nine walks and 101 innings. Uh, 86 strikeouts, which is good for a 21.4% uh, strikeout rate, but only a 2.2% walk rate. Uh, you know, all things equal, you want to take the hometown guy. And again, there are a, a number of pitchers that are kind of in this statistical range. So I'm glad to see Kirby named to the team. He replaces an injured Shane McClanahan. So the Mariners now have three representatives in Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and uh, Julio Rodriguez which is awesome. So the Mariners on Monday night played the San Francisco Giants. Uh, This was a matchup of Brian Wu versus Logan Webb. Mariners ended up winning 6-5, kind of a back and forth game. Mariners went up 1-0 in the fourth. Giants took a 2-1 lead, the bottom of the fourth. Uh, The Mariners took or tied the game in the seventh at 2-2. Uh, this was a fielder's choice by Julio Rodriguez to shortstop in which, uh, Colton Wong scored. And then at the, with the game two, two, the Mariners scored four runs off of, uh, Giants closer Camilo Doval, uh, to go up six, two. And then Paul Seawald came in in the ninth and gave the Mariners quite the scare surrendering three runs, but the Mariners ended up winning six, five. What was cool about this game to me is 
Logan Webb is a bona fide number one starter. Uh, he's kind of a low to mid threes ERA uh, sinker baller, but very effective pitcher for the Giants. Goes deep into games. He's their best starter. And he was going against the Mariners' fifth starter in Brian Wu, obviously a 23-year-old rookie who's still kind of finding his sea legs. And the Mariners won. This is the type of pitching matchup when you look on paper, you understand Brian Wu's stuff. You understand his effectiveness thus far this season. But playing on the road in front of his hometown crowd, he's from across the bay in Oakland, um, he came through. And the Mariners' offense at the end of the game was able to score enough insurance runs to win. So Wu did not get the win, but he finished six innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, seven strikeouts in 88 pitches, 59 were strikes. Uh, 14 of the 23 batters he faced were first pitch strikes. Um, we're starting to see kind of what Brian Wu is. He is a starting pitcher who's going to throw majority four-seam fastballs, predominantly up in the zone at 95 miles an hour. He's got a sinker that he's going to throw low at about the same velocity, 95 miles an hour. He certainly has a slider that uh, he's upped in velocity a little bit um, since the start of the season. It's around 83.5. And then a cutter and a changeup that he's been playing with because of his extreme platoon splits and his difficulty getting left-handers out. In this particular game, he threw 11 cutters and six changes, which is um, much higher than his season averages. He did get 15 whiffs on 47 swings for a 32% whiff rate, which is right around what he's been doing this season. Um, 32% is great. Uh, What is interesting is looking at his heat maps on Savant, you see the dark red represents uh, where he throws the pitch most of the time. His four-seamer is up up in the zone, very much in the middle, but up in the zone, um, which is you want to see the four-seamer up for him. His sinker is down. Uh, it is down. It's low and in to right-handed hitters, and it's low and away to left-handed hitters. That also is located where you want to see it. Um, the slider, the, the red is actually outside. It's low and outside, but it's outside of the zone. Um, obviously he's using that as a chase pitch. He is getting a 33.3% whiff rate on that slider so far this season. The changeup is a little bit more in the middle. It's located outside to, uh, to lefties. He's thrown, uh, 19 of his 23 changeups this season have been thrown to left-handers. It's pretty clear. That's a pitch that he's wants to use almost, almost exclusively against left-handed hitters. And then 12 of his 16 cutters were also against lefties. So, again, pretty clear plan of attack from Brian Wu, and he's been effective. Uh, It's really, really cool to see the Mariners have two successful young pitchers in their rotation. And he stuck in the game long enough to uh, help the Mariners win against the Giants' number one starter, Logan Webb. Tyad Cock pitched the seventh. uh, No hits, no runs, no walks, no Ks. Uh, Andres Munoz picked up the win. He pitched the eight, scoreless eighth with two strikeouts. And then again, Paul Seawald kind of screwed the pooch in the ninth, but still was able to uh, um, help the Mariners eke out a win. Of note in this game, uh, Julio Rodriguez had a uh, two-run double in the ninth that looked like insurance runs to put, put the Mariners up 5-2, but ended up being um, crucial to the win. 
J.P. Crawford hit a clutch sack fly to drive in Jose Caballero in the ninth. What was cool about Caballero in this game was he was a pinch runner for Mike Ford in the ninth and really had Doval rattled. Uh, so he stole second. And then uh, uh, Ty France was hit by a pitch. And then Caballero ended up stealing third as well. Um, but he certainly had, was inside of Doval's head. I just, I love his injection of energy and intensity to the team, especially in situations like this. Um, you could credit, you know, not definitively, but you can ask the question, did Camilo Doval give up three hits and four runs in the ninth inning because Jose Caballero kind of um, had him on tilt? I would argue that that he did contribute to this. So that was as a mirror as watching the Mariners, that was a uh, kind of a cool and important thing to witness. Mike Ford went two for three with the walk. Uh, Eugenio Suarez went two for four. Teo Hernandez went two for five with the run in an RBI. Again, Julio Rodriguez had the, uh, the three run or the two run double and the, uh, the RBI fielder's choice, but just a good, a good sign for the Mariners to see them down two one in the seventh and be able to come back and win, uh, win the game. So that was Monday night, and then Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon, Fourth of July was just really about Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert threw a complete game shutout, nine innings, five hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, one hundred and five pitches. He moved to six and five with a three eight two ERA. Uh, in this game, his velocity was up. A mile an hour on both the uh, four seamer and the slider. Uh, he averaged ninety five four on the four seamer and eighty eight seven on the slider. Uh, that, those are very good signs from him. He used the slider a little bit more than he has over the course of the season. Thirty four percent versus twenty seven percent usage so far this season. Uh, and he threw the fastball about the same forty forty one percent versus forty two percent. The other pitch he used more than he has um, is the is the knuckle curve. He threw that 16% of the time, or less so, excuse me. He threw it 9% of the time versus a 16% usage so far this season. He got 12 whiffs on 23 swings on the slider. That's a 52% whiff rate on the slider. On the season, it was 30.3%. So obviously, he felt good throwing that slider against the Giants. Uh, it was an effective pitch for him. Uh, the four-seamer, 23% whiff rate, 18% for the season. So really his his stuff was better, um, I think, in this game than than it has been uh, recently. Not sure why, uh, but as a, you know, if you're a Mariners fan, that was very good to see. And again, he was really the star of the show. Uh, the Mariners did score six runs. Mike Ford did go four for five with two doubles and a home run, two runs, one RBI. Uh, Mike Ford is streaky as hell, but uh, a player that when he gets hot is capable of carrying the Mariners, as we've seen two different times now this season. Uh, Julio, two for five with an RBI. Uh, J.P. Crawford, two for four at the top of the lineup with a walk. As I usually say, that's that's what you want to see from him. He was had five plate appearances, and he got on base three different times. And then... Uh, A.J. Pollock, interestingly, they started Pollock against a right-hander, and he went two for four with a home run. And his home run was off of right-handed Jake Junis. 
who had come into relief. Jake Junis is not a bad pitcher. Um, we all know Pollock was signed primarily to to be the short side platoon, particularly to guard against uh, Jared or Jared Kelnick not being able to hit left-handed pitching. But Pollock is, you know, has a track record. And again, it was good to see him hit a home run, especially against a right-handed, a right-handed pitcher. That's about a bit of interest in this game. This was, again, this was all about Logan Gilbert and then Mike Ford carrying the offense. Um, Gilbert faced 32 batters and he threw 20 first pitch strikes. Uh, this was prime Logan Gilbert. This is what you, you know, the Logan Gilbert that you want to see filling up the zone, not walking anybody, um, elevating his fastball, throwing that slider at almost 89 miles an hour. And he looked great. Uh, happy for him. Uh, that's about it from this game. Like I said, this, this pushes the Mariners winning streak to four games. Uh, this pushes the Mariners to 500. I think there's some positive momentum for the Mariners heading into uh, the all-star break, potentially, if they can keep this up. I do want to talk a little bit about the Mariners uh, over the last seven days or so. To highlight a couple of players here. J.P. Crawford has a 448 on-base percentage and a 1.057 OPS over the last seven days with the homer and five RBIs. Um, I just I think Crawford at the top of the lineup is really igniting this offense, and uh, it's great to see him perform. You know, he was a high pick the first round by the uh, Philadelphia Phillies with a ton of expectations and was dealt to the Mariners uh, pretty early on in his career. So it's it's fun to see him be uh, get on base so much. I do think his defense has slipped a little bit over the last couple of years, but he still plays what I would consider an average to above average shortstop. But 1.057 OPS in the last seven, last seven days with a 448 on base percentage. And Eugenio Suarez is starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, 360 on base percentage with an 810 OPS over the last seven days. He has one home run in that span. Mike Ford, what can I say? You know, really is he's been called a quad A hitter. I don't know how many times he's gone in and out of the Mariners organization. Last seven days, Mike Ford has has one home run, four RBIs. He's hitting 533, 611 on base percentage, 867 slug, and a 1.478 OPS. Um if nothing else, I think Mike Ford is a great pinch hit bat at the end of your bench. But the way that he's been hitting, if he can keep this up, you know, you do have to consider whether getting a right-handed bat for this lineup is is more of a priority because a left-handed bat would take away uh, at bats from Mike Ford. It's crazy to say that phrase, but, you know, I, I think the way that he's performed this season – at times, you have to ask that question. Uh, Tom Murphy bears mentioning uh, he's uh, seven for his last 11, hitting 636. He has three home runs in that span or two home runs in that span, three RBIs and a 1.896 OPS. Uh, Tom Murphy's been on freaking fire. Uh, they need to find, I think, some more at-bats for him right now while he stays hot. Maybe he splits time with Cal Raleigh. They both played four games in the last seven days. Um, 
that might be a good thing to do. Obviously, he's going to tail off eventually, and you keep him as your short side platoon catching bat. Uh, but maybe give Cal Raleigh a little rest. And um, and he's been slumping quite a bit. So maybe you give him a little rest, play Murphy a little bit more heading into the All-Star break. And then Jose Caballero, uh, he's four for his last 11. He's getting on base a ton. Um, he has a couple of stolen bases. I just think he's a fire starter and a great hitter to be at the bottom of the lineup but to get on base in front of J.P. Crawford and Julio Rodriguez. Over the last six games, the Mariners are hitting 279, 353 on base, and a 452 slug, which is good for an 805 OPS. Uh, this offense is heating up. This offense is um, capable. I think that uh, this offense is better than people have given it credit for. I still think the Mariners are one bat away from really truly contending um, I still will talk about uh, Jorge Soler as one of those bats that I would love to see them chase. There are a couple bats on this Giants team that I think would fit really well in Lamont Wade Jr., uh, Jock Peterson, uh, even a Michael Conforto. But because the Giants are in contention, I don't see them uh, necessarily dealing them. So Mariners offense, again, has turned the corner a little bit. What I want to dig into now is what has been said about the Mariners offseason, what has been said about the Mariners roster construction and why I think, and even what has been said about the Mariners minor league system and why I believe when looking at the health of a team, looking at the success of a team, it's extremely important to look at the long-term perspective and not get caught up in the minute to minute. I'm certainly guilty of that myself at times, but I think less so than most. This Mariners team is good. This is a playoff team, whether people want to admit it or not. The Mariners have quite a few underperforming hitters right now um, who I think are going to continue to heat up, have historically heated up as the summer has gone along, and and some hitters who have, have performed much better or much worse than their baseball card so far this season. And I think one can expect to get better uh, over the course of the year. So some of the bigger changes, just to recap, Mariners traded Eric Swanson, um, eighth inning reliever, and Adam Mako, who was a starter um, in low A, but I think will become a, a minor or a, uh, excuse me, a relief pitcher in overtime to Toronto for Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar has been good, not great so far this season for the Mariners. Um, he's carried the team at times. He's been hot recently, but I think he's all in all performed pretty much, you know, I'd say just below what you might want or expect, but 15 home runs, 40 runs, 49 RBIs, four steals, hitting 255, 304 with a 750 OPS, probably a slightly below average defensive right field, but you're looking at high 20s home runs, 80 runs, 90 RBIs. Um, that's pretty much what you traded for. And he's been healthy. Mitch Hanniger, maybe Mitch Hanniger had slightly more upside. I don't know. I don't think so. But Mitch Hanniger was never healthy, right? As much as you wanted to like him, he wasn't going to play. And so this was a, a really, I think, necessary trade for the Mariners to make. 
and one that has, I, in my opinion, so far has proved to be a good trade for the Mariners. I think there's more upside for Tao. I think he will hit better as the season wears on. But and we've seen some holes in his bat, in his swing. But all in all, you you gave up a reliever who was essentially repetitive. If you have Andres Munoz, you have Matt Brash, you were counting on Diego Castillo, who hasn't been great and is in the minors now. You had Penn Murphy, you acquired Trevor Gott. You know, the Mariners have um, elevated relievers from the minors. They probably had an idea that Prelander Baroa was going to become a reliever. Swanson's repetitive. As great as he's been, they didn't need him. And Adam Mako is kind of a, a B-level prospect. So I like the tail acquisition. I think that was smart. Uh, the Mariners traded Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro for Colton Wong. Uh, Winker was horrible with the Mariners. He was hurt. I think he might be permanently hurt. Toro is proven to be kind of a non- May, or maybe even a quad A type of player at this point in time. The Mariners were offloading those guys. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again really quickly. Colton Wong, uh, since 2017, is WRC plus 108, 99, 109, 92. And then in 21, it was 110. And in 22, his WRC plus was 117. So Jerry DePoto expecting Colton Wong to fall off a cliff, I don't think is fair. He had 15 home runs in 2022. He had 17 stolen bases. He had a 339 on base percentage. He had a 769 OPS. Expecting Colton Wong to be at least a league average hitter at second base, I think is a realistic expectation. I like that trade. I would make that trade again, believe it or not. If I could go back in time, I think that was the right thing for the Mariners to do. The Mariners traded Kyle Lewis for, for catcher outfielder Cooper Hummel to the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. As much as I love Kyle Lewis as a bat, I think he was a DH full-time, and I don't know if he was ever going to stay healthy. Cooper Hummel, uh, you know, I don't know if the Mariners expected anything from him in return. It was kind of a gamble. He is a switch-hitting uh, catcher who's athletic enough to play in the outfield. Um He's in AAA right now. I think if Tom Murphy or Cal Raleigh was to get hurt, they would bring Hummel up. I don't know if he's ever going to be an asset for the major league team, but I understand why um, trading Kyle Lewis was the right thing to do. They didn't have the opportunity for him to play. And I do think that he's a talented enough player that he deserves an opportunity to play in the major leagues. Mariners traded a minor leaguer for Justin Topa. As we know, Topa took over the eighth inning and was very effective for Andres Munoz when Munoz was hurt. They did met that trade with the Brewers. Uh, and then the Mariners lost Mitch Hanniger three years, 45 million, I believe it was, to the Giants. Uh, I would let him go for that price, especially acquiring Taylor Scar Hernandez, because Hanniger is just never, never healthy. Uh, Adam Frazier, they let go in free agency to the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Han or Frazier was terrible offensively, not really plus defensively as well. Um, he, to me, is more of a utility player, if that. Uh, he's been a little better with the Orioles, but I still don't like him. The Orioles are looking to replace him now, too. The one that I could criticize is Carlos Santana. Right, Santana is not... Great offensively anymore. He's a low 200s hitter, kind of mid 300s on base percentage with a little bit of power. But as we know, he was the he was kind of the spiritual leader of this team down the stretch last season. 
you see him doing similar things for the Pirates this season. I don't think that's it's coincidence that their team is fun. Their team is dancing around. He hit a, a walk-off home run last week and was acting a fool between third base and home plate, but I loved it, right? I think Julio probably misses Carlos Santana. They were very close. So keeping him, I think, would have been nice. You would have kept him over Mike Ford. Uh, I think I would have done that if I was Jerry Depoto. but the Hanniger signing is three years, 43 and a half million is what it ended up being. Let Hanniger go for that, and Frazier certainly has been kind of uh, doo-doo so far the, the last couple of seasons. Then the Mariners signed A.J. Pollock, uh, Trevor Gott, and Tommy LaStella to deals. Uh, Pollock is a short side platoon guy. I know Pollock has been terrible this season. I don't think he's going to be terrible the, the entire season. He has power. He has speed. Finding a right-handed bat to be that short side platoon, you're not going to do all that much better, to be honest with you. It's going to be some, you know, 30-year-old journeyman type of dude that you hope catches fire, right-handed, power. Um, you know, the A's lucked out with Brent Rooker, but it's going to be a player like that. Uh, Trevor Gott, as we know, was very effective at the beginning of the season, ended up coming off the DL or the IL, I guess it's called now, and surrendering that fateful um took the loss against the Nationals in extra innings right off the injured list and then got hit harder again after that. So Trevor God is now gone, as we know. He got traded to the Mets um, in the uh, salary dump with Chris Flexen. And then Tommy Lastella was just horrible out the gate. Uh, he was hot garbage. I understand the criticism of signing Tommy Lastella, I think, the way the Mariners saw it was let's get a major league left-handed bat in here, a professional bat, you could call him, but similar to Wong, he just kind of shot the bed. Uh, he was also 34 years old. And so maybe he was a little bit over the hill when they signed him. The one, the other criticism you might have with La Stella is that he has been pretty terrible in 21 and 22. He had a 93 WRC plus in 21 and a 78 WRC plus in 22. So signing him and expecting him to be a strong side DH uh, platoon bat was probably not the best decision. I think that's the one you could be most critical of. But you go down this list, there's not a whole lot of bad decisions. I'm sorry. And those who are clamoring for, uh, you know, for a Trey Turner or a, a Carlos Correa or a Xander Bogertz, have you seen what they've done this year? Um, they're not taking the Mariners to the playoffs. They're not the difference between the Mariners being a 500 team right now and being in first place. I'm sorry. None of those guys at shortstop are. Again, would they make the team better? Yes. Would I rather see the team be uh, fiscally conservative, financially conservative, and save that money maybe for a big free agent this year, maybe a bid on a Shohei Otani, Right. Yes. My answer is yes. I will continue to say that. And I think when you look at this team from a broad perspective, if you step away from the emotion and the frustration of the struggles the Mariners had, you know, over the last month and a half or so before this four game winning streak and you look, it's hard to criticize. It just is. Outside of signing one of those big names who, again, I don't think is going to catapult you into first place, 
J.P. Crawford has become a very good major league leadoff hitter. Julio, again, is a megawatt superstar who's just getting started. Could you improve on Ty France and Eugenio Suarez? Yes. If you find the right deal in at the trade deadline, I think that's smart. But they're okay. And we made the playoffs with them last year. And I think that, you know, looking in the offseason to replace them is the right thing to do. I think the Mariners got Tailscar Hernandez for nothing. For an effective eighth inning reliever, but he's a freaking eighth inning reliever and a B prospect. Tail, that was a that was a great acquisition as far as I'm concerned. You've got Cal Raleigh, Mike Ford has been good, Colton Wong. I don't think you can criticize when you cut bait is another question, but hey, he was good last two years. Tom Murphy's been very good. Jose Caballero's been a revelation. Dylan Moore, I don't know. Um, but I guess they'll ride with him because of the contract for now. And then AJ Pollock. Then you got to give the Mariners credit too. For Brian Wu and Bryce Miller, these are fourth and sixth round picks of the Mariners who have become legitimate middle of the rotation starters already, right? With incredible elite fastballs, especially Bryce Miller's fastball. Brian Wu might be the better pitcher. Bryce Miller has the better fastball. But you are you have pitching coming out of your ears at this point, which other teams would die for. And then as far as relievers go, the Mariners have a ton of effective relievers and essentially can mass produce them if they wanted to. So to sit here and criticize a team long-term for not signing the fancy name that's flashing in big lights for $300 million, they had a plan and they had a good one. The minor leagues, the low minor leagues are very good. This team can develop players. This team can develop pitchers very clearly. You know they're trying to develop more offense. You can see that with their recent acquisitions. You can see that when you're looking at Harry Ford and Lazaro Montes and Felden Celestin and Cole Young and Jonathan Classe and Gabriel Gonzalez. You've got a lot of bats. They might be a little ways away, but you got bats on the way. This team's going to be good for a long, long time. And while as fans, Mariners fans might want to see a winner right now and say, let's deal the system and let's go, let's go win now. This team, whether you want to admit it or not, is trying to make money over the long haul and it's trying to win over the long haul. And how do you do that? You do that with sustainable minor league talent coming up, which we see with their pitching staff, which we see with Julio and Jared Kelnick and the rest, Cal Raleigh. And do you, do you want to see your team be very good with the chance to win a World Series for the next 10 years? Or do you want to see them go all in for the next one or two? I think it's smart. I think they're making the right decisions. And a month ago, I was saying the same damn thing. When people were upset, when every talk show was talking about what the heck are they doing, right? Why are they doing this? Why aren't they making a move? How come they didn't sign anybody? The Mariners are cheap. The Mariners make a ton of money. It's because they saw a long-term vision. You can't sacrifice every long-term asset for your business for short-term gain. You wouldn't do that with with your stuff. Why should the Mariners do that with their stuff? I think it's crazy. So, again, love where they're at. Obviously, they're 500. You'd like to see them play better, but a 24 plus 24 run differential as of right now. And five game back, five games back of the wild card is not a bad place to be, especially if you think your team is going to get hot. I think the Mariners are going to get hot. 
All right. Off the soapbox for a minute. Uh, the pitching matchup for tonight is uh, veteran Tommy Malone is going to pitch for the Mariners. They brought him up from AAA. Uh, he's pitching against Alex Cobb. Tommy Malone is pitching in Bryce Miller's spot. Bryce Miller went on the injured list with a blister. They said he might be out for a little while. Um, a little while could mean through the All-Star break. A little while could mean past the All-Star break. He's also thrown a lot of pitches and a lot of innings, a lot of pressure innings for a young pitcher. Uh, Bryce Miller's thrown 59 innings already this season in the majors, and he threw 19 and two-thirds in the minors. So that's 78 and two-thirds innings that he's thrown so far this season. Last season, he threw 128.1 innings, excuse me, 133.2 innings last season. Um, So you're probably looking at 150 or so inning limit for Bryce Miller this season. They're probably going to try to give him a little rest if that blister isn't completely healed. In any case, it's Tommy Malone. He's 36 years old, super soft-tossing lefty. Uh, He was a 10th-round pick of the Washington Nationals in 2008. He's pitched for five different teams, but he's pitched for the, the Washington Nationals twice, and he's also pitched for the Seattle Mariners, I believe. Is it twice or three times? Uh, he's pitched for the Mariners twice as well. Um, he throws, so in 949 innings, he's given up 1,031 hits and a 1.33 whip, a 4.59 ERA. He's not a strikeout pitcher. Uh, he tries to kind of get you out with guile and location. He did pitch one game for the Mariners against the Rockies on April 14th. In that game, he went four and two-thirds innings, three hits, two walks, three Ks. He throws a fastball at 87 miles an hour, a changeup at 79, and a slider at 78. He faces Alex Cobb tonight. Alex Cobb is 35 years old. Uh, Cobb is 6'3", 205. He was a fourth-round pick of the Tampa Bay Rays in 2006. The Giants signed him to a two-year $20 million deal in 2022. They do hold a club option for 2024. Cobb has always thrown hard. He was pretty much a ground ball pitcher without strikeouts uh, for quite a bit of his career. He bounced around a bit. The Giants, as they are prone to do, were able to take this arm and turn it into a very effective one later on in his career. Uh, he's 5-2 and two with a 3.12 ERA and a 1.36 whip. His whip is very high, but as such an extreme ground ball pitcher, he's able to get a lot of double plays. 83 and two-thirds innings, 93 hits, 21 walks, 79 strikeouts. Uh, Batting average of balls in play against Alex Cobb is 347, which is very high, much higher than league average. But with the high 58% ground ball rate, you have to expect that BABIP to be slightly above league average. 5.8% walk rate, 21.9% K rate. Uh, 8.9% swinging strike, which is down 1.5% over last year. Um, He did strike out more batters last year and the year before. Uh, I'm not sure why he's striking out fewer this season, um, but he is. Lefties hit him 298, 363 on base percentage, but only a 723 OPS. So clearly a lot of those are singles or walks. 
And then uh, versus righties, it's 259 with the 287 on base and a 695 OPS. He does have a 150 ERA at home this season and a 450 ERA on the road. He is 41% sinker at 95 miles an hour, 37% split finger at 90 miles an hour, and then uh, 15.6% curveball at 84 miles an hour. So sinker, splitter, and then mixes in the curveball and a couple of sliders. Uh, One other thing to add with him, one of the reasons why I think he surrenders a lot of singles and – is that his the defense behind him is is pretty poor. It's Lamont Wade Jr. at first base, which is kind of a makeshift first baseman. He was a corner outfielder uh, coming up. Tyro Estrada was their second baseman. He's, I'd say, average to slightly above average at second base, but he's injured now. Casey Schmidt has taken over. Uh, J.D. Davis is the third baseman. He is not known for his defense. He's more of a first baseman or a DH. And then Brandon Crawford, who I believe is – in his um, late 30s, is the uh, their shortstop. So just so he used to be a plus range, plus defensive shortstop. He definitely is not that uh, anymore. And off the bench, Wilmer Flores is a bat first infielder who shouldn't be playing middle infield. And Brent Wisely, yeah, Brendan Crawford's 36. So poor defense behind him, extreme ground ball pitcher. That's why you see a lot of singles but still effective. Obviously you give the giants the nod in this pitching matchup, given the fact that, you know, Tommy Malone is basically a journeyman left-hander. Uh, but the Mariners go for the sweep. The Mariners try to get above 500. Uh, should be a fun game. Um, Mariners have already won this series. That makes uh, two in a row. The Rays and the giants are both very, very good teams. So, to take series against those two teams is an accomplishment. Uh, so I love minor leaguers. Um, I love the minor leagues, uh, play lots of fantasy baseball as well. Uh, I will be driving from Walla Walla, which is in Southeast Washington, which is where I live to Seattle for the uh, futures game. Since the all-star game is in Seattle, be able to watch Jonathan Classe, uh for the Mariners and just a bunch of young, you know, future major league stars. It's going to be a lot of fun. My buddy Matt and I do a minor league pod called Demonos Pod on YouTube. Um, you can find that D A space M O N O S. Uh, we'll recap what we see from the futures game, but that's a lot of fun. Uh, just excited. Seattle was my hometown, it's where I grew up. I'm excited to go back and uh, watch this game and taking a little bit of the uh, the festivities. I'll def- I'll come back to Walla Walla on Sunday and, and not be there for the All-Star game, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, don't get to see a ton of baseball anymore. Tri-Cities has the Tri-Cities Dust Devils, which is the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels. And that's about an hour away, but that's the closest. So this should be a good time. Can't wait. Uh, again, there's a lot of positive momentum for the Mariners, winners of the last four, winners of the last two series. Uh, Pretty good run differential at this point at plus 24. Some players getting hot and some great pitching as usual. Uh, This was the Mariners cast Wednesday, July 5th. Thank you for listening. We are presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. 
That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the game. Peace.